Hi there, and thanks for tuning in to the Smy Street Church Weekly Podcast. Pastor Werner is speaking today. You know, no matter your background, your age, or your story, we believe that you matter, and we would love to have you as part of the SSC family. So why not join in? Head to our website, ssc.church, and click the I'm New button. As we listen together, we hope that you'll be inspired to follow Jesus. Let's head on in. Good morning. How many of you would actually admit, I know this could be controversial and you might get judged for it, but you would admit that you like eating at McDonald's? Come on, come on, let me see, let me see. You heathens, you... <laughs> yeah, you're, you're going, you're traveling down the road and, uh, and you see the big M's, you know, the big... Um, the golden arches and your kids go, can we stop? Can we stop at McDonald's? Uh, a few years ago, my wife and I were in Madrid, Spain, and we were downtown Madrid. And to our surprise, it was a beautiful, beautiful, one of the most gorgeous McDonald's that I have ever seen. And it had double, double decker, uh, two floors, and just um, a really gorgeous place. So we went in and my thing was, is it going to taste like the Big Mac in, in Fredericton? And it did. The fries were the same. The Big Mac was the same. Everything was the same. The only thing that was different than in Spain, uh, you could get pop, but you could also get beer, which is pretty weird. Eh? <laughs> but uh, outside of that, all the flavors and the atmosphere and the quality was the same. Uh, I was looking at a picture of a McDonald's in Belgium, and and they had incorporated the beautiful historic architecture of the city right into their their building. Um, but here's the thing: a Big Mac in Madrid, Big Mac in Belgium, a Big Mac uh, in China, a Big Mac in Fredericton, all all have the same unique big taste. Uh, McDonald's was founded in 1940, 83 years ago. Anybody here 83 years old? Just, just so you see. Nobody? Okay, you bunch of liars. There's somebody here that's 83. <laughs> Mary Gale, how old are you? 84. <laughs> Mary Gale was one years old when McDonald's started. Look at that. Uh, Richard and Maurice McDonald in San Bernardino, California. Um, and l- later it turned into a franchise. And it was 1953 that the big M, uh, the big golden arches were incorporated. But here's an interesting thing. And there's movies about it, documentaries about it. In spite of the heavy competition, and in spite of all the criticism, the criticism from chefs, that say that's not real food, and the criticism from health experts that say you, if you eat that, you'll die. And I mean, think about um, what burger chain in the world has a top movie that has come out to, to put them down, you know, uh, you know, supersize me. How many ever watched that? I never did, and, and uh, don't ever plan to, but, uh, but uh, was it any good? It was? What? Informative. That's a good word. Informative. But in spite of all that, McDonald's has, the McDonald's franchise has become the world's largest fast food restaurant chain serving 
over 69 million people a day, a day, in over 100 countries. 83 years, Mary Gail, and has traveled that far in the world. In Canada, 2.5 million customers eat at McDonald's every day. Some of you. Uh, 1,400 restaurants coast to coast. And here's the interesting thing. Every one of those local restaurants in the world, they may look different outside, but inside they have to have the same taste, the same quality, the same original flavor that McDonald's had when it began. So obviously I didn't come to talk to you about Big Macs, right? You're saying, I want one right now? (laughs) But I do want to talk about a word, and that is the word franchise. So I I wrote down, it's on the screen, the definition of a franchise, and there's different definitions, I'm sure, but I'm defining it as the right granted to an individual or group to use a company's goods and services using that original, the, the, the original company's name. So in sports... You have franchises, all kinds of franchises, NBA, uh, media. There's all kinds of different media franchises. Winnie the Pooh is a franchise, by the way. Uh, Coffee franchise. Can you think of one franchise coffee? Tim Hortons. Yes. Yes, I hear it's not owned by Canadians anymore. But uh, Tim Hortons. How many Tim Hortons fans do we have here? Again, Starbucks. Some of you are doing, putting your hand up for both. You just want a coffee. There, there might be some in the foyer left over. <laughs> but anyway, um, you know, but here's the thing. Every one of those have the right to operate under those names, but, but they have to produce the same quality, the same content, the same taste. Uh, you can't go to Tim Hortons and order a coffee and they give you Folgers coffee. It just doesn't, doesn't work that way. So I'm going to talk to you this morning about the greatest franchise ever in human history. We've been talking about the church, and we've been reading the book of the Gospel of John as a church. In the Gospel of John, I see this franchise. It doesn't use the word franchise, but here's, here's if you follow me, this is, I'm going to read a, a few scripture, and don't don't glaze over on me. Um, if you want to f- just, just put, put away your phone. Put away your phone. I see you. You. No. <laughs> but, 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 but follow this. It's the verses are on the screen. In the beginning, John starts by this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of humanity. And the light shines in the darkness. So John introduces us to this this pre-existence of Christ. As the creator. As the one who, who all things come through him. And then he says, that word, which is Christ became flesh and dwelt among us. And the word he uses there for dwelt in the original is, a, is the word tabernacled. It means, it means he tented with us. 
And why does John use that word? Because John is reaching into the Old Testament to the tabernacle in the Old Testament that, that, uh, that the children of Israel, you have a picture on the screen, the children of Israel, when they traveled through the desert, that is where the presence of God was. In the daytime, there was smoke, and at night, there was fire. And, and it was, people would say, that is where the glory of God is. That is where God is. That is the tabernacle. And John is linking Jesus and saying, he came to earth, and he tabernacled among us. He became the new tabernacle. And so, and so he, he, later on, Solomon built the temple, and he built it at the pattern of the tabernacle, the same thing, only he built the Jerusalem temple, and, and everybody would say, there is where God is. There is where the glory of God is. And it had the outer court, the inner court, it had the, it had the holy place, the holy of holies, and, and only one person could go in there because that is where the Shekinah glory of God was. That was where the presence of God was. And, and everybody knew and understood that. Then, then John tells us that Jesus calls himself the temple. And, and it says, uh, Jesus said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. And John said he was speaking of the temple of his body. So now not only is John connecting Jesus to the tabernacle of the Old Testament, he's saying now Jesus is the new temple where God dwells, where the glory of God is. And as you read John, there is, there is this journey of, of Jesus going into Jerusalem and he's walking through, and as he's journeying, there is this confrontation between Jesus being the New Testament tabernacle and this Old Testament understanding of the temple. And so there's this clash between Jesus and the temple and the temple religious, all the religious stuff around the temple. And Jesus keeps talking about the glory of God. I am revealing the glory of God. So the Shekinah glory, the glory of Almighty God now is being revealed through this person, Jesus. A couple of examples. John eleven four. Jesus said, This sickness is, not, is for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So Jesus is saying, this, this healing that I'm going to do is going to demonstrate to you, like the Old Testament temple, demonstrate that I am the glory of God. Then he said to Martha, when he was in front of Lazarus' tomb, and, and everybody was saying, oh, you want to open the tomb? This is going to smell. This is bad. And he said to Martha, he said, did I not say to you that if you believe, you would see what? Underline, just to help you out. You would see the glory of, of God. And so then John, as we read, and it's going to be this week's reading, 14, 15, 16, and 17, John now brings us to the final days of Jesus. And Jesus is giving last instructions. And in, in, in John 17, he, Jesus lifts up his eyes to heaven and he prays. Here's where you're going to have to follow me a little bit because I'm going to read a little bit. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may be glorified in you. Do you see the word glory, glory? He is the glory of God. He is the glory of God. 
glory of God, all the way through. And this is the eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, who you have sent. And then he goes on, he says, I have glorified you on the earth. Glorified you on the earth. I had finished the work which you gave me to do. And now, O Father, again, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which we had before the world was. Then he goes on, he says, I have manifest your name to those whom you have given me in the world. They are yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they, they have known that all things are with you, and you have given me are, are from you. And I, and I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I have come from you, and they have believed that you sent me. Now the prayer shifts to us. And he says, I pray for them. For those whom you have given me, for they are yours and all mine are yours and yours are mine. And I, here it is, it's underlined, read it with me. And I am in them. Wow. Isn't that something? Jesus was the manifestation of the glory of God in person. And now he's saying, I am going to glorify where? Turn to somebody beside you and say, you know, God wants to shed his glory into your life. The same glory. He says, I do not pray for, for that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They're not of this world, just as I am not of this world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your, your, your word is truth. As here it is. As you sent me into the world. This is all going to make sense in a minute here. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by truth. I do not pray for these alone, but for all those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me and the glory which you gave me, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them. So here's the interesting thing, that they may be one just as we're one, I in them and you in me. So here, here's the interesting thing. Jesus is the impersonation of the glory of God on earth. The temple, only one person could go into the temple, to the Holy of Holies. And Jesus is pushing us into this understanding that he is the embodiment of the glory of God. But now he is going to He's going to turn the temple inside out. And every one of us, every one of you are becoming and have become the temple of God. I let that sink in a little bit because that is revolutionary. How many remember the definition of a church? We, we did it last two weeks. You know, I, I'm amazed at the impact I have when I preach. You can't even, I, and I don't blame you because most Sundays I don't remember what I preached last Sunday either. But how, 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 what's the definition of a church? 
Put it on the screen. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ. See, the glory that I had from the beginning of the world that now Jesus brings into the world in his person, he is saying, I'm going to, I'm going to put that in you. Do you see the ramifications of that? That's huge. The same glory that was in Jesus is now he wants to put it in you. That is, Jean Bosco, that is amazing. That is revolutionary. To understand that the same glory of God that was in Jesus now is in you. The glory of the only begotten Father, full of grace and truth in me, in you. Jesus glorified in you. The word hope means anticipated expectation. When Christ is in you, when Christ is in you, when Christ is in you, the anticipated expectation is that the same glory of God that was in Christ would be revealed or be seen in you. So that's where my word franchise comes in. Because you and I have become a franchise of Jesus in the world. The same flavor, the same way Jesus loved, the same way Jesus Jesus was, was moved the same way Jesus, his character, his attitude, his spirit, his grace, his truth, his mercy, his kindness, how we treated people, that same atmosphere, that same flavor in him is in you. That's what he wants to put inside of you. That is the Jesus franchise. You can go all over the world. You can go all over the world not just a hundred like McDonald's, but all over the world. And you will find people that have been reflecting the glory of God in their life every day of the week. And Jesus lives in them. You talk about a franchise. That is amazing. I love this verse. It says, 2 Corinthians 3.18, We all, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into, what's the next word? The same image. We are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. There's this progression, there's this journey inside of us, the Holy Spirit guiding us and teaching us. As we surrender, there is this expectancy, this expectation that God that's in Jesus is manifest in transforming and reflecting his character inside of you. And just like McDonald's in Tokyo, Japan, if you go in there, you will taste the same quality of food as would have been in the original St. Bernardino, California, Big Mac, God wants our lives to reflect the life of Jesus everywhere we go. Very often in North America, uh, the North American church culture, 
we, we count on our methods and our programs to share our faith with others. And, I, and I'm not against programs. I'm, I'm not. We invite people to the Alpha program. And we say, if we could only get them to the Alpha program, and the Alpha program is fantastic, by the way, or Why Jesus? Or if we could invite them to a special, a special uh, kind of church gathering where, where, where we would, we, they, would, they would hear, you know, nothing wrong with all of that. But here's what I, have, how many have ever gone to a restaurant that somebody recommended and found the food to be terrible. So they tell me that Popeye's is coming to Fredericton and Hanwell. Tell me that's, and somebody said, yes, yes. We have conflicting opinions. But let's go with the yes. So what if, what if you told me, Popeye's, I was in the Popeye's restaurant down in the States or whatever, I don't know. And it's fantastic. And so I go to Popeye's when it opens. And I go to Popeye's and I go in and, and the food is cold. The service is terrible. The place is dirty. Uh, the fries aren't done. The people are nasty. How many know I'm not going to go back to Popeye's? You can invite people all you want to to an alpha program, but the greatest witness of who Jesus is is you. And if they see in you something that is just distasteful and unacceptable, in the way you behave, because you're the franchise. And if they taste, come to taste Jesus and they find something else. So the, but if they find the love and care, if they find the grace of God, if they find the beauty of Jesus in your life, you can invite them to Alpha. And that'll be a great tool but they're going to look at you. And the worst witness ever are Christians that don't have Christ flowing out of them. The Apostle Peter says it this way. He says, 1 Peter 2.9, you are a chosen people. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. You talk about franchise, that's who you are. That you, here it is, that you may declare the praises of him. That you may declare the virtues of him. That you may declare the excellencies of him. Jesus said you are the light of the world. May they see you, your works, and glorify God. So the hope of the world is, is, is the world is looking for the glory of God. 
They're going to find it in you. You are the one who, he says, you have, who has called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Sometimes we Christians get this, this defeatist attitude like we're barely hanging on. I'm barely making it. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Praise God. We are. Amen? But I also have the resurrected king living inside of me. And I also, if you read this, I also am a chosen person of God. I am royal. And I also am holy in him. And I also am God's special possession. That I may declare the praises of him. Christ lives in me. Christ lives in you. Yes, you are. You are, Yeah. Don't clap too much because then I get lost, okay? <laughs> you are Christ's holy possession. You are chosen, royal. You are victorious. You have the love of God inside of you. So you don't have to drag your carcass around saying, oh, I hope somehow I'm going to make it. You have made it in Jesus. He is the king of kings in your heart. And so, don't have to live. You know, I, I am victorious in Jesus. You know when I'm victorious? Always. If you don't believe me, here's the verse. John, uh, Romans 8.35. Paul asks the question. Who or what will separate us from the love of Christ? And he said, shall trouble? Jeremy was saying, some of you are facing some stuff, and the question is, that stuff you're facing, do you think it's going to separate you from the love of Christ? Shall hardship, shall persecution, shall famine, nakedness, danger of sword? And he replies, in all these things, we are barely making it. Oh, I'm sorry. I have a different translation than you have. What does it say? In all these things we are what? Over the top winners. Another way of translating this is we are overwhelmingly, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loves us. The apostles faced trials and persecution, opposition. And when they did, they rejoiced. They sang in prison. You imagine, I mean, the prisons they were in weren't like the New Brunswick prisons. They weren't like the, the jail downtown Fredericton. Those were tough, tough, dark holes. And in the middle of their, their persecution and their pain and being beat up and shoved around and thrown into a stinky prison... You hear them singing. You know why? Because it doesn't matter how much you lock me up. Inside, I am free. Inside, I am a winner in Jesus Christ. I am victorious. We sang it. This is how I fight my battles. The early martyrs, they faced the lions 
And they worshiped God as they died. Why? Because they had a victorious understanding. Because here's the thing. We Christians, you can kill us, we will rise again. You can try to destroy us, and we will come out winners. In, in fact, if everything. Second Corinthians, and I close with this. Thanks be to God who, what's the next word? Always leads us in triumph in Christ. When Paul wrote those words, Christ in you, the hope of glory, he was sitting in one of those prisons and he said, I rejoice in my suffering for you. Always leads us in triumph. And through us, this is, this is beautiful. And I close with this. And through us, reveals everywhere the sweet smell of knowing Him. Reveals in us the sweet smell of knowing Him. What do people smell in your character? Do they smell Jesus? Do they smell that you, do they... Do they know that you've been with Jesus? That he lives inside of you? That Christ in you, the hope of glory. One of my, my favorite uh, pastimes and hobbies is, is barbecue on charcoal. And I mean, my favorite is steak good ribeye steak, but it's expensive. How many know it's expensive? So I now have moved over to pork chops, and I get them a little cheaper. And I have, a, I have my own recipe of a rub that Ken Parker gave me. And Ken Parker showed me how none of that gas stuff, if you barbecue on gas, may God for, forgive you for that sin. But charcoal the smell of the maple and the oak filling the air. And, and then you put those pork chops on and you smell it. Oh. My wife says, oh, it smells like camp. Or the neighbor says, Werner, you're killing me over there. The smell of it. Jesus wants to franchise his flavors in you. And wherever you are, he wants you to be an aroma of who he is. And everywhere you are. And by this, people will know, smells like barbecue. Smells like Jesus. Smells like a winner that can win even when he is in front of difficulties. I remember how I learned, Kim Parker said, just step aside. Let me show you how this is done. I used to cremate the stuff. And everybody would say, oh, that tastes good. And Ken Parker said, no, this is, this is what you got to do. 
And that is what it is to surrender to Jesus if you've never done that. To surrender your life to Jesus and say, will you show me how to live for you? And you start by saying yes to Jesus. And you just say, show me how to reflect the aroma, the glory of God in my life. Does that make sense what I'm saying? We'll sing this song, No Eye Has Seen and No Ear Has Heard. And as we do, I'm asking the Holy Spirit to open your eyes to understand who you are. The church, the church of Jesus, the body of Christ, the glory of God in the world, the, 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 the aroma of who he is and how beautiful he is coming out of your life. It's not just inviting someone to church. They need to smell it in you first. They need to smell it in you. Jill, sing it. Could you stand, please? And no ear has heard And no mind has ever conceived The glorious things that you have prepared for everyone who has believed. You brought us near. And you, you brought us near and you called us your own and made us join us. That's the franchise. That's the franchise. How high and how wide. How deep and how long, how sweet and how strong is your love. How lavish your grace, how faithful your ways, how great is your love, O Lord. Objects of mercy. Objects of mercy. Who should have known wrath were filled with unspeakable joy. Riches of wisdom. Riches of wisdom, unsearchable wealth, and the wonder of knowing your voice. You are our treasure, and you, you are our treasure and our great. Our hope and our glorious King How high and how wide How deep and how long How sweet and how strong is your love How lavish your grace How faithful your ways How great going to close reading together a prayer of Paul. Before that, I just want to let you know that next week we're going to be uh, doing a new series, Where, Where Is God When It Hurts? And it's a great opportunity for you to invite someone that a lot of those questions, you know, about the world and why is there suffering, all, all those questions, we'll look at it 
and in a very, very clear, understandable manner. But I want us to, to say together a prayer of Paul, Ephesians 1.18. And um, if you put it on the screen there, Ephesians 1.18, um, there's, this, is, this is Paul's prayer. And I want you to say it with gusto. I don't... Let's do it justice, all right? Are you ready? Here we go. I pray that the eyes of our understanding be enlightened, that we may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Stop there. In where? In where? inside of you, in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him in his right hand in heavenly places. Far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Here, just take a breath. This is the best ending ever. And, here we go. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things. Oh, back up. To where? Who's the church? You are the church. He, this is fabulous. He gave far above all principalities and power and might and dominion. There is nothing that is above him. Nothing above him. And then he gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Hallelujah. That would make you want to dance. May God bless you. You are a franchise of Jesus every day wherever you go. God bless you. Do it. We're so glad that you've joined us. You know, you are part of something bigger and we want to invite you to get involved, to really be part of the team. You can help make ministry happen either by volunteering or by financially partnering with us. If you'd like to give, you can head over to ssc.church give, and you can even sign up for automatic withdrawals so that you know that your money is consistently making a difference and you are inspiring others to follow Jesus. Why not start today? Head on over to ssc.church slash give and sign up today. Thank you so much for joining us. God bless you in the week to come.